Okay, you guys can read it with me here. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve, my spirit, in the preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last a joy. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifting that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Amen. You stay standing and see much just pray for us to receive God's word today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive, that your word is as sharp as a double-edged sword. Thank you that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. So, God, may your word come alive to us, Father. May your anointing be upon Neil as he preaches, as he opens up the word to us, Father. And may our ears be open to hear all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can have a seat. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how lonely people are lately? Have you noticed how lonely people are? How lonely are you? Where are you on the loneliness scale this morning? And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about how many people you're surrounded by. I'm talking about an internal condition, feeling lonely. In the locker room of the gym this week at the Y, I overheard what must have been an older gentleman because he was sharing about his two sons and his two sons age 40 and 50, say. So this guy must have been elder 60s, maybe early 70s. And he just said, he was sharing with another gentleman there. And he said, you know what? My sons, they've just never married. They've had girlfriends, but they've just never married. And the issue not being marriage or not marriage, but in his voice was a forlorn kind of being baffled by that fact. I couldn't see him, but I imagined him shaking his head, just kind of wondering what why, why have my sons not been able to marry? I just thought, man, we are handicapped people, aren't we? Us 20th, 21st century people, we're a little bit handicapped in our capacity to make and maintain relationships. And so I did a little looking around, and I found an article from um, the American Sociology Review in 2006, just seven years ago, they did research. They interviewed 1,500 people. And you know what they found? 1,500 Americans, they found that one in four reported having no one with whom they could share their triumphs or their tragedies. One in four. Isn't that crazy? No one with whom they could share a personal triumph or a tragedy. A book by Robert Putnam called Bowling Alone has indicated that since the 1960s, we are having 60% fewer family picnics and 40% 
fewer family dinners. A Barna uh, poll among pastors uh, indicated that 60% of pastors have very few close friends. And isn't it ironic in this age that we are so connected, right? We are more connected than ever. Technology makes us very close. And yet, we find ourselves so distant and lonely. An article in a blog called Human Events indicates that we are talking more. You know, we're more connected technologically, but we are sharing less. We don't know how to self-reveal to one another. It's hard to do that well in Gchat or in text. So it's interesting because in Paul's articulation of his desire to be with the Romans and meet them. Remember, this is a church that he hasn't been to yet. It wasn't founded by him, but he expresses a longing to be with them. And what I found in those seven verses that we just read are some incredibly healthy ways of thinking about relationship and some incredibly healthy habits of relationship that I want to share with you. Before we get to the scripture, though, I just want to give a quick word about why I'm going to title our series on Romans, Growing in Grace. It's a little bit of biblical tongue-in-cheek. Laugh with me if you can. (laughs) And it's this. In 2 Peter 3, Peter says this. He says, actually, it's the last thing he says in in his last letter. The apostle Peter says, "Um, I want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to grow in grace, right? But a few verses before that, Peter had actually said about Paul's letters. He said, hey, I know Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand. That will be true of us as we kind of traipse through Romans. But he said that, you know what? But Paul wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So we're going to take Peter's cue here. And we're going to say, you know what? We want to grow in grace. We're going to do it by looking at the wisdom that God gave Paul. And we are going to grow in grace. And as I think about us moving into Easter into the spring, I think those are two priorities that God has for us. One, growth. We need to mature, okay? Woe be unto us if we stay stagnant. We are to grow in the Lord Jesus. I don't care if you're 15 or 55, there's growth for you in the Lord to be had. Amen? And the other thing is, I don't want the word grace to become the religious word that has become. Grace really is that supernatural superpower that God gives us so that we can live lives that otherwise we could not. Amen? We just looked at this morning in that wonderful prayer class that Stephen is facilitating for us. When Jesus came, Isaiah 61, he came with anointing to bind up the brokenhearted, to see the captives delivered. In other words, there's anointing for your life. Jesus has an anointing for you so you can live free from the bondages that have gotten you from the beginning. And that's grace. And we are to grow in that grace. Amen? So let's grow in that grace together today. We're going to look at Romans 1, 8 to 15. And our concern is, how do we move out of loneliness? How do we, what eases our loneliness? And what I believe that Paul says to us is that moving towards others is what eases our loneliness. As we will move towards one another. We'll start having heart attitudes and heart habits of moving towards one another. That will ease our loneliness. But just to be clear... Um, And I mentioned it just a second ago, that alone, really what's needed and what Paul demonstrates is good thinking about relationships. So I'm not just saying, hey, gather 10 more friends around you, you know, at the lunch table. But I'm saying we need good thinking about relationships so that we move towards one another healthily and cleanly. Amen? All right, let's look at some of Paul's keys here. Let's start. We're just going to walk through this verse by verse. Romans 1, let's start in verse 8. 
Remember, these are people that Paul's not even met yet. It's going to put us to shame slightly. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Lord. I don't want us to have shame here, but it's just a manner of speaking. <clears throat> thank you, God. First, Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Number one habit of moving towards other people is being thankful for them. Being thankful for the gifts that they do have. Now, Paul here is being slightly hyperbolic. He's exaggerating a little bit, saying, hey, your faith is known all over the world. But for sure, the fact that the church in Rome was doing well, that it existed, and that it was uh, surviving even under a lot of persecution, for sure, the church and the whole Mediterranean area knew that something cool was going on in the Roman capital. You know, despite the intensity of being uh, at the capital of the empire, God was doing something. So for sure, they were, they were known. And, and as I said, their faith is remarkable in light of that persecution. But again, what's, what do you, what's the take-home for us? I think the take-home for us is, as I mentioned, be thankful for what, has someone, what, what someone has as a gift. I want to tell you about December 24th, this last year, 20, 2012. Myself and Kathy Newby and Priscilla Toby, operating our PowerPoint there, showed up at a nursing home in the area. Three of us. We said, Lord, come and do something. We're going to share a little bit of the, the, uh, the gospel, you know, the Christmas message. Have some communion, and Lord, won't you encourage a few people? Man. Of course, Kathy Newby loves everyone she's around, so that's just, you know, watch that happen. The orbit is incredible. But man, I had never seen Priscilla Toby operate around the elderly, and it is awesome. You should watch. I was just like, this is amazing. Priscilla Toby goes to this one. How are you doing? Can I pray for you? She's like, Neil, come here. She needs prayer for her knee. She needs this. I was like, this is awesome. This is Priscilla Toby. Can we clap for Priscilla? Come on. It was awesome. Seeing Priscilla Toby love some of the elderly just blew me away. I said, thank you, God, for this gift. I have an awesome privilege as a pastor, and I really want to invite a lot of you to consider the pastorate. It's one of my jobs. You may not think you're qualified. I didn't think I was either, but God's calling somebody to pastor with me. We're going to supersaturate New England with church plant pastors, but that's okay. Can we do that, Harbor? Come on. Well, I want to tell you, one of the funnest things about my job is I get to sit across from people weekly and just kind of consider and marvel at and enjoy and spur on and love how God has gifted other people. No matter what that package is of the person sitting across from me, no matter what their age or their station or their background, I always start out. My assumption when I come to breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, whatever, I just, my assumption is, God, there's something wonderful inside this person. What do you, what are you doing? How do you want to draw that thing out? I think of my times with Elizabeth and how she manages so well at her company. And this is a woman who cares for the people that God has given her in her in her company. She shepherds well the people who are under her charge. And I think it's so amazing. I think of Brandon here, back there running our sound. You know, Brandon's got a holistic view of life that is encouraging to me, making sure I'm healthy, body, soul, and spirit. And I so appreciate that. Peter Vance, he's 20 years younger than me. But he's got more urgency for the nations than I've had in a long time. And I say, thank you, God. Thank you that Peter's saying, you know what? He's kind of given his parents a little bit of a... Um, some anxiety there, but he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put college on hold for right now because I want to just obey this call now. And he's working it out. He's covered. You know, he's talked with his parents. He's not a renegade. He's got counsel from us. And we got a green light. We say, yes, go for it. Because you know what? When he's ready, when God wants him to finish college, he'll finish. 
But he's saying yes to the call right now. Ooh, I get to be around people like this, and it's awesome. Who else wants to be a pastor? Come on, let's go. Thank you, Lord. My wife, Kelsey is an incredible mom. She's very kind to me. She makes me laugh, and most of all, she puts up with all of my neuroses. Where is she? She's not here. She, she's with the kids. But she's incredible. And I, you know, the moments that we are just face-to-face, uh, it's just wonderful. And I want to encourage you. You've got to be thankful for what people bring to the table, and you've got to articulate it. Okay? That's the thing that's really unusual. Man, it's weird in the world. I just remember when I was teaching school, and I'd say, hey, you're a really good history teacher. Do you know that? <laughs> and, you know, it's just we don't talk to each other that way. It's really fun to do that, isn't it? We need to articulate it. Did I mention the, the pastor's prayer meeting we had two weeks ago? Did I mention that last week? I can't remember. Yes? Okay. Well, it was great. Praise the Lord. Just listen to that podcast. Okay. So moving towards others, that's what eases our aloneness. We do it by being thankful. Second thing. Let's start at verse 9. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I don't think that's hyperbole. Okay? Paul kind of exaggerates a little bit, I think, in verse 8. But in verse 9 and 10a, that's not hyperbole. He has taken ownership for the church at Rome, even though he has not planted it. And he prays for them regularly. He cares about what God is doing there. Paul is a serious prayer and he is owning them in prayer. What would happen to this church? What would happen to the circle of your friends? What would happen to your family if you, not the other people in your family, not the other people in the church, but you started to cultivate a lifestyle of regular prayer for the few people that God has put in your life? Because that prayer is the foundation of your authority to speak into their lives. And I'm not saying an authority that you lord it over, but it's an authority to get under and serve them. I love, one thing I try to do at the beginning of every semester is some of the people I'm walking with just say, hey, what's a scripture I can pray for you? Because as you start to pray for people, you get traction in the spirit. And then when you see them, you got the word of the Lord for them. And it's awesome. And it's fun. And it's how the kingdom should work. Amen? And it's especially helpful. Maybe sometimes your relationships are difficult. Maybe there's a certain relationship that is challenging to you. But if you want to dig in and say, God, I want to come through the other side here and love this person, then the place that you begin is in the place of prayer. You dig in in prayer first and watch what God does. Watch how God opens doors. Watch how he changes things. But one caution here I'd say is that remember that no one owes you anything. And this whole idea of easing your own aloneness, we're moving towards people, we're loving you, but remember that no one owes you a thing. Everything's empty-handed. I love what the Catholic theologian uh, more of a um, devotional writer. His name is Henry Nowen. Some of you may know him. I love what he says. He's a great book called The Inner Voice of Love. It's really a compilation of his journals during a really rough season of his life. He took six months out of his ministry because he was just spent. He was done. He kind of went down the, the depression tube quite a bit. And thank God the Catholic Church had a place for him to kind of be restored and um, get some good counseling. And during that time, he writes several things in his book. But one of them is, he says, you know what? I may give love to someone here, but I may be receiving love from someone else over here. In other words, he's becoming aware of his own attachments. You know, we all have these attachments. We think, I want someone to love me. I'm going to love them, but it's really so I hope they love me back, right? At least that's what I'm thinking every time I text someone, right? Love me. Answer me. You know, <laughs> respond to me. I'm here. And do it in 0.5 seconds, please, so I know that I'm loved and validated, right? 
I guess it's just me, you know? But the fact is, often our motive for loving others is so we can get something back in return. And with Henry Nowen, you know, at age 50 or 60, kind of two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through his life, what he figured out was, you know what? I may be giving love over here, but I may receive love from somewhere else, and that's got to be okay. You know, God's going to love me through people. It may be not through the people that I would expect or want, but that's got to be okay. And remember that Henry Nowen, his, the last 10 to 15 years of his ministry was in a community of, um, of developmentally disabled adults where he was continually giving to people who, in a sense, could not give back to him the way that perhaps he would have preferred. But of course, as he would say, we're giving back to him all the time. So anyways, the second thing is we cultivate a rhythm of prayer. As we do that, moving towards people in prayer, that's what eases our own aloneness. Amen? Come on. Not too excited about that one. Amen? There we go. Let's have some prayer happening this week for one another. Watch what God does. Could be fun. Watch out. Okay. Third thing. Let's continue in one ten b Halfway through 10. After the semicolon, at least in the NIV. It's this. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Let me just say the first few words of verse 11. I long to see you. Another lesson we get from Paul is Paul is moving towards them. He's not waiting for them, for the Romans to send an emissary to him. He's not waiting for them to send a letter of greetings to him. He's not sitting around twiddling his thumbs, hopefully hoping that someone from Rome likes him. It's the contrary. Paul says, I want to get to you. I want to see what's going on there. I want to see for myself this awesome thing that's happening in your midst. And of course, Paul does have an ulterior motive, not meaning there's nothing sinister about it, but he sees on his horizon Spain. He wants to preach the gospel way into the West, and he wants to include the Romans in that journey. He wants to stop by and give give them an opportunity to support him financially and just in love, right? And so he moves towards them. What does that mean for you and for me? Don't we all want to be invited? Doesn't everyone here want to be the one invited? You be the initiator, Right? You be the initiator. I don't care if you're extrovert or introvert. I happen to be more of an introvert, but I can still initiate with people in my own way, in my own time. You do the same. Watch what God does. Watch, watch how he blows things up when you start to um, initiate. Displace yourself to get into the boat or to the life of another. <clears throat> you know, just being around kind of the North Shore with these, you know, we got Gordon, Gordon Conwell. We've got a lot of life-giving churches. I started to see someone kind of around and around in circles, and he had been a church planter, and he may be planting churches again. I just said, I want to get with this guy. He's got a story. I need to know it better. And so finally, I just figured out how to get his email. It was a little bit creepy, perhaps. But I said, hey, I want to get with you. I've seen you here, here, and here. This is who I am, and uh, I want to hear your story. We just this last week had a great lunch. And again, I, I really am more of an introvert. I don't know whether you believe that, but I am... And, um, and so a little bit of effort on my part, but man, we had just super encouraging uh, to hear his story and he was encouraged by mine. But you just got to be an initiator. You got to move towards others to ease your own aloneness. Amen? Okay, fourth thing. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Uh, let's pick it up at 11 again. Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I'm just going to repeat that because it's so good. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. 
That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Certainly, Paul has a lot of confidence about why he wants to come to Rome. You know, he kind of starts out saying, hey, I want to come, right? I I need to help you mature. And certainly, he's heard about some of their problems. You know, the Roman church there had an interesting tension between Jews and Gentiles, as I mentioned last week. And that the Gentile believers had kind of become more the, the, um, the ones who were setting the agenda in that church. Where most of the other churches, it was more the Jewish crowd that was setting the agenda. And um, they were just, just like in every church in the history of the world. They were struggling with some worldliness, right? And they just had to be instructed on how to be holy and be separate from the world and whatnot. And, um, and there's some you know, heresy there. There are some misunderstandings of the gospel. And for sure, uh, there are some rumors about Paul that he wanted to kind of sit straight. Hey, this is who I am. I'm legit. So he's very confident in what he has to give. But you notice, you can almost hear him kind of, kind of putting the words, taking, he's like, uh, he says, hey, I want to come and make you strong. Uh, I mean, so we can be mutually encouraged by each other also. And really, there's a real humility there. Because Paul is saying, I know that, I believe that I have something that you need. I need to strengthen you. But also, I have something that I can learn from you. And so what we want to do in our relationships, moving towards one another, we want to be able to give and receive freely. Okay? We want to give and receive freely. So first thing, be a giver, not a taker. Be a value adder to the relationship. See how you can strengthen the other person. Honestly, take that Philippians 2 mindset, right? What Jesus said, he said, um, um, consider others better than yourselves, really. Okay, I'm not talking about being um, enmeshed and you disappearing and becoming a non-entity and totally having your identity enmeshed in someone else. But I'm talking about just considering someone else and, and who they are and making space for them. You know, we all love these personality tests, don't we? I can just tell you I'm an INFJ, okay? There you go. Some of you are excited about Myers-Briggs and you can just know that. Um, <clears throat> praise the Lord. And we've got our strength tests and all this stuff, and it's so good. But here's the problem. We take these personality tests, and we go, yeah, this is who I am. Woo! <laughs> Everybody, make way, because here I come with my ANFJ-ness. You know, or here I come with my, my introversion, my judgment, and all this stuff, right? But hey, the reason why as a staff, or as a leadership team, we take this stuff is so we can figure out what motivates the other person. In other words, if Spending 50 bucks on this test every year is only worth it if we say, hey, how can I bless the other guy on staff or the other gal? John, who is in Waco right now, he's a man of God. Personality-wise, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so one of the ways that I know how to love John is, here's where Jay Lanou can tell me what cluster this is, but one part of my personality is I want the bottom line now, okay? Like, just tell me the bottom line, just in conversation, you know, there's a little bit, I'm, I'm spinned up a little bit, like, okay, good, get to the point, you know? And John is the opposite, where he wants to, he wants to, in order to share everything that's on his mind, he really has to let you in the high detail of everything, right? And it's a gift, because of how he thinks. I'm just honoring John. I'm not, I'm not seeking to do anything else. But so, the way that I strengthen John is, I listen to him, and I shut my mouth, and I let him share everything he wants to share about X, Y, and Z. And that's how he gets loved. Because my desire is to see him strengthened, both as a staff person and just as a brother. And that's how I can love him the best, is let him kind of explain at great detail his thinking process. And he's blessed. Amen? Amen. And we're blessed. Praise the Lord. So, you seek to strengthen the other. You're a giver. You, um, 
You try to give. And maybe, if you're like me, there's some situations where you feel like, I got nothing to give here. I got nothing to impart. But it's that moment. You know, it's okay to ask someone explicitly what they need from you. I mean, gosh, every week I think that I come to a situation where I just think, I don't know how to help you right now. But how can I? I'll just ask the question. How can I be a friend to you right now? How can I strengthen you? How can I bless you right now? Hey, it's a great question to ask because people are usually pretty excited about sharing that. Amen? Okay. And then you've got to have the humility to be a receiver, not a taker, right? Paul was saying, I want to be mutually encouraged by you. So don't be, don't be threatened by that, but be encouraged that you can receive. I just think of an early morning time in the last month here that I had with Jeremy, Josh Booth, who's up here playing, and Jeremy Puzz. And I just asked explicitly, I said, hey, can you tell me what I'm doing well and what I'm not doing well right now? Got a little vulnerable. I just asked the question, and Jim is there often. Um, whose birthday it is today? Praise God. Jim Miriam. Amen. Jim, how old are you? 29. Psalm 29 we read today. Ooh, could be your psalm. Special day. Okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Jeremy and Josh, I just got a little vulnerable and said, hey, what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? And man, it was so good for me to come off my little high horse and say, can you just tell me where I'm, I'm where am I hitting it? Where am I not? And it was so good. I was so grateful and just to receive from them was a blessing. And so you do the same thing, you know. You got a trusted friend, just say, what do you see in me? What's working? What's not working? And receive. Moving towards others. It's what eases our aloneness. Take that risk. All right, fifth thing. And I love this. Paul, 13 to 15, chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. He says this. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, which, by the way, is... A typical Paul formula to say, I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> Look for it in all of, his, all of his letters. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks. What Paul's saying here is, I'm obligated to all Gentiles, okay? Not, you know, just it's just... I'm including everyone here, any kind of Gentile, both to the wise and the foolish, foolish barbarian. He's saying, I'm obligated to all sorts of non-Jews, all the non-Jews. I'm obligated to them. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Again, what I really appreciate about Paul is he's being very direct. He's saying, this is why I'm coming. And just as far as one thing that will help ease our aloneness as we move towards one another is feel just be ourselves. Be yourself. Okay, Paul was himself. This is why I'm coming. Just FYI, I want to harvest from among you. I got to preach the gospel to everyone. I'm not, I'm not uh, hiding my true self. Here's my mission and I'm coming. So don't try to impress people, hide behind false motives or false selves. You know, last May um, is when our family moved into 21 Winthrop and I had wonderful help from many of you, thank you, painting our apartment. One of our most faithful friends was Cullen. And uh, what I appreciate about Cullen Newby is he is just not afraid to be himself. So when I said, Cullen, you got some time. He said, this is when I can help. This is when I can't help. I said, all right, let's do this thing. Let's paint the living room then. Praise God. On the way to get the moving van, Cullen shares with me his extreme Irish techno music. I don't quite understand it all, but it's what he likes. I said, I'm just so glad that he's not like turning the dial either to classical or to like, uh, you know, uh, Bethel just to please me, you know. He's just... Here's my techno. I love it. 
And I learned about all this computer gaming and all the other things he's into. And I just loved it because he was able to be himself. It's so helpful as far as moving towards other people just to be yourself. Moving towards others. It's what eases our aloneness. So are you lonely? Are you lonely? Where are you lonely? And I guess the challenge from the Lord today is which of those five things, which of these five ways that Paul indicates we move towards other people, which one is God highlighting today? Which one do you need to improve on? Do you need to be thankful for others, making more space for them in in your life, believing that they may actually have a gift that you need? Do you need to start cultivating a life of prayer for others, especially for the people who tick you off? It's awesome. You just need to move towards people physically, like make the initiation, like, hey, can we hang out? Do you need to seek to uh, strengthen someone else? you need to change your attitudes that you're not just taking from relationships, but you're saying, how can I give? How can I bless? How can I serve? Really? Or do you just need some grace to be more yourself, just to relax and stop living for the approval of others, but just be yourself? That's actually, you'll find yourself less lonely if you'll be yourself. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand? Let's have the worship team back up here. One of the last things that Jesus said to his friends was, I got a new command for you. You guys know the, the commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. But I got a new command for you. Who, who remembers what that command was? Yeah, he says, as I, who was that? Paul, praise the Lord. Amen. Fresh from Wheaton. Way to go. Wheaton to Gordon Conwell. Glad you're here. Looks like they're teaching something good at Wheaton. It's hard for us to admit here, but yes. It's true. Okay. Right? Thank you, Lord. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is how we do it. Paul's shown us a great, a great way. This is how we love one another. It's how we move towards one another. It's how we get our own aloneness, loneliness eased. And I want us to be a church that fulfills the great commandment. I have a concern. Can I tell you my concern? My concern is because we pump the great commission all the time and we are going to do it. We will plant churches here and to the nations, but we can't lose sight of the great commandment either. We can't do it at the expense of the great commandment, great commandment. It's why we're in faith groups. It's why in and out of faith groups, we're loving one another. We got to do both. It's a both and it's how God set up the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Because we have one very important piece of business to take care of. And that is, if you are here and you don't know the Lord Jesus, if you've never given your life to Him, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, you've never had that demarcation saying, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand right now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to lead you in a prayer. So you can say, yes, February 24th, 2013, that's the day I decided to follow Jesus. Anyone here at all? Anyone here at all, please don't miss an opportunity. God's knocking on the door of your heart, and you want to follow him. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. (coughs) Thank you, Lord. Anyone at all? Hey, no shame. In fact, the next verses are, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Ooh, as a preview for a couple of weeks from today. I'm giving it away. Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We love you. 
Thank you that Paul was a man just like us. He had his own baggage. He had his own story. And yet, Holy Spirit, you worked enough in him that he's able to pen these words. And in his approach to the Romans, we see such great healthy things about how we can think about relationships and how we can walk in them, how we can move towards one another so we ease our own loneliness and aloneness. Holy Spirit, let us be a great commandment church. God, I long for this church to be such a place of Holy Spirit love, so bound together in love that it just blows the world away. Lord, you said that they will know that we're your followers by our love for one another, God. God, let us not be tiptoeing around one another, distancing ourselves from each other, taking the easy way out and avoiding conflict. Let us press into each other. Let us press into love. Let us recognize the gifts in one another. Let us recognize the good in one another, we pray. Thank you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for release of the power of Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, in these these 15 minutes that we're going to be together worshiping you, I'm asking God, pour out your grace. Let the body minister to one another. This morning we had a couple words. We had a word about the gospel. So if there's, other, if there's people here who haven't yet received Jesus, I pray as they talk to each other and as we minister to each other, let people be led to the Lord this morning. We had a word about burns. So I pray if someone here has been physically burnt and needs healing, God, I pray that you'd heal their skin. If someone's been burnt by the church, maybe feeling on the outside looking in, God, I pray where they're burned, come and heal those wounds. I pray that your presence would be a a salve. I pray that forgiveness rule and reign in this house so we can be set free. God, I pray for every cancer to be uh, nullified and stopped in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, just flow. Flow, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, this is our church. So we're going to have some folks here. If you have any need, it'd be silly for you to leave the house of God without getting prayed for feel particularly lonely gosh please let someone pray for you please be invited to a faith group but come on let's have all you all you prayer warriors come on down here and if you just need to do business with god maybe it's unrelated to anything going on here but please come and do business with him there's something about moving out of your seat and getting here and just saying lord here i am it's an act of surrender surrender to him don't delay don't delay can i just tell you one thing as a guy who's about 20 years older than a lot of you the little decisions of your life they matter Okay, the little times you come to the carpet and say, Lord, I surrender again. When you build a lifestyle of those, ooh, it's, it's what changes you. Don't delay. God sees you. He loves you. He's going to counsel you with his eye upon you. Don't delay. Come to him. Amen.